Thank you, Pastor Terry. It's, uh, I've really enjoyed being a part of Cornerstone and moving up here, and um, it's been a great experience. We, uh, we moved up June 1st, and so we've been here for uh, six, seven weeks now. And it's been great uh, getting to know many of you, feeling very welcome by everybody introducing themselves and loving on us, and, and uh, so very grateful to, to meet a lot of you. Sometimes I'm bad with names, so if I forget your name, please tell me it again, and, and uh, hopefully I'll remember it from that point on. But um, really enjoy being a part of the, the Cornerstone staff. It's been a great experience being a part of a team of people who are just very well connected and very, um, very focused in on reaching our community, focused in on the relationship with God. We start each Monday and Tuesday with a time of prayer and song and devotion, and it's just great to see a team united in that way, really doing some great ministry here in the city. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to be in this place. So we, uh, we've just been moving in. We moved into the outer Richmond uh, area, and um, our family, uh, my wife and my uh, youngest are with me. And uh, it's been, you know, that fun experience of moving where you're trying to still find things that are in boxes somewhere. And, you know, oh, I know that I have a shirt somewhere and it's got to be someplace. And you're still digging through that stuff and then, you know, doing a lot of building with uh, Ikea furniture, you know, some assembly required for that stuff. Um, luckily, I, I enjoy kind of putting those things together. But um, so it's been a process of unpacking and getting settled in. But uh, we, we are definitely loving it here in the city and uh, being a part of what, uh, what is going on here at this church. I want to give you a little background of where I've come from. I grew up in um, Orange County in Southern California. And for the last 16, 17 years, I've been an executive pastor. And you may wonder, what, what, is, what in the world is an executive pastor? But uh, executive pastor is uh, typically in some uh, in larger churches, a person who will come alongside the, the lead pastor and work in a lot of the business areas, just as like as Pastor Terry was talking about, and also working in developing staff and, uh, and uh, encouraging them, recruiting them, and building them up and help them become better leaders in themselves. And over the last 16 years, I've, I've really enjoyed that position. So I feel that's where a lot of my strengths and my gifts are at, and I love to have been part of a couple different churches that have helped in those areas of ministry, and I'm looking forward to, to be able to help uh, here as well at Cornerstone with some of my giftings, and uh, I can't wait to see some of the exciting stuff that we're going to do. Uh, before that, I was in youth ministry for about 12 years, and I was invited in youth ministry at a young age, right when I was in, in high school. Um, I was going through a period in my high school years where I was kind of disengaging from my relationship with God and other people and just some other circumstances that were going on, starting to head down the wrong path. And uh, I had a, a friend who was in the youth ministry uh, at the church I was at and invited me to come and help with junior high students. And uh, if you know junior high students, uh, most people are like, how could you ever spend time with junior high students? You know, such an awkward stage, isn't it? You know, they're crazy, they're loud, they smell, you know, there's lots of, <laughs> lots of things. But he invited me to go on this junior high trip. I went, I actually loved it. I had a lot of fun with these kids. And uh, we was out on a beach camp and then invited me to continue doing ministry. And, you know, I said goodbye to my old life where I was being distracted from God. And I joined in a ministry. And I, I would never thought as a high school student, I was a very shy kid, very, did not know necessarily my giftings. I never thought I'd be a pastor and be up here on a stage speaking or anything along those lines. And it was amazing to see how God really developed in me and, and really gave me spiritual gifts that I didn't know I had, you know, and, and the ability to, to do different things I didn't know I had. And uh, so I, um, I, I loved doing youth ministry for that many years and, and involved with that and developed a fairly large youth program, lots of leaders. We had all of our students in small groups, was, which was just life-changing to have that connectedness with those kids, and it helped to disciple them really well in their walk. Um, so I, I eventually got, uh, got married after I was a pastor there for a while. Um, I was so busy in youth ministry because I loved it so much. I was living with guys that uh, were also in the youth ministry. And so we would spend pretty much all our time at church. 
And so I knew I was going to have to, if I was going to ever find someone, they were probably going to have to walk in through the doors at, at the church at some point. And uh, so sure enough, one Sunday, um, I'm finishing up a message to our high school students. And, you know, it's like in the movies and TV and stuff like that where you see, you know, they make everything sound quiet even though it's business going on. And you just see that focus of that person walking in through that back door. And I, I was like, who is that? <laughs> and uh, so I wrapped, you know, wrapped up and prayed and kind of made my way through the students in the back and said, hey, it looks like you're, you're looking for someone. And, and uh, she's like, yeah, I'm looking for the person who's putting on this youth musical that you guys are doing. I'm like, oh, okay, let me point you in the direction of that person. And so I kind of sent her on the way. And you know how it is when you, you know, find someone attractive and you're looking at them and you kind of watch them walk away. You're like, hmm, yeah, that's nice. Um, <laughs> So, you know, so she started helping out in this play, and then um, I had a part in it, too. I was the MC for it, to memorize all these lines and, and do it, and so I would be at the rehearsals, and we were kind of exchanging glasses back and forth. It was, it was kind of fun, you know, that, that little beginning stage where you're really interested in each other, and we're looking at each other, and, and uh, had one of the other leaders that were there who was, you know, one of my small group leaders on our team, and she was talking with her, and she goes, you know, it looks like you kind of like, you know, you should, you should date Pastor Mark, and she's like, well, who's Pastor Mark? Well, that's that guy. She's like... He's a pastor? What? You know? And, uh, and actually, back then, I had, you know, I actually had some earrings in my ear at that time. And she's like, what? <laughs> you know, I'm not going to date this guy. And uh, so, anyways, we went through the play. We kind of exchanged uh, glances back and forth. And, you know, she kind of reconsidered that idea of dating a pastor. And, um, you know, through the end of the play, you know, I was like, gosh, I got, I got to ask this gal out. And so, how do I get her information? And so, I, I thought, you know, hey, I'm a great recruiter. I'm always looking for new leaders, you know, and bring them in. And, <laughs> and, uh, I thought, hey, you know, would you be interested in helping out in our youth program? And uh, here's an application. Would you fill it out, put your information on there? And, uh, and I got her phone number. It was really cool. It's kind of roundabout way. And uh, so I got that from her on a Sunday morning. And of course, afterwards, I decided to, you know, she had left. And so I thought, well, I'm going to call and ask her out. So I called and no, not there, left a message on her answering machine. And I said, hey, I'd like to be, get together sometime, go to Cheesecake Factory and hang out, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so I waited and waited and waited all afternoon, and uh, <laughs> no, no response. So in the evening, I happened to be back at church, and she had come back as well. She was with someone else, and, uh, you know, I saw her get into her car, and uh, I was like, oh, well, there she is. You know, so I run over there, and she had, you know, she was starting up her car, and I was knocking on her window, and she was like, <laughs> what do you want? I said, hey, I, I left a message on uh, your machine. I want to see if you wanted to go out sometime and go, you know, have a bite to eat or something like that. She's like, oh, cool. Rolls up the window. I'll go check my machine at home. <laughs> like, okay. And then, uh, so, you know, she, she starts to back out really quickly, and I'm literally still standing there by the door, and, like, you know, like, she almost runs over my feet as she backs out. I'm like, whoa, what was that? And uh, so she goes home, listens to the message. She calls me back. She goes, I would love to have dinner with you anytime. And I thought, oh, awesome. So I made her, made her dinner that next night, and uh, we, we started dating after that period of time, and, and here we are today. It's 22... Uh, been married for almost 22 years, and uh, we have two daughters. Thank you. <clears throat> we have uh, two daughters. Uh, our oldest is Hannah. She's uh, 20 years old, and my youngest is Emily, and she's 18. And uh, so we, we've had an exciting life together, lots of fun things. And, you know, growing, growing up and being a youth pastor, you experience lots of fun, crazy kind of stuff that goes on. Um, but, you know, for me, I, I thought of this psalm today because of different situations in my life. Pastor Terry asked me, you know, hey, would you preach on a psalm? And gave me an opportunity to, to pick one. And I, I kept racking my brain, which one do I want to uh, preach on? it? And 
I've always come back to Psalm 1 because I find it different than the rest of the Psalms. And to me, it was an opportunity to to take a look at at that Psalm. Uh, And as I go into that today, I want to kind of give you a little background, too, of my uh, my time in ministry and my, my way of thinking, and I think that God has really placed some uh, things on my heart. And uh, the Apostle Paul really expresses this very well in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, I, I just, I love being able to go into wherever it is I go into ministry is to really understand who it is that I'm working with, who are the people that are there, who it is that we're trying to reach, and really try to reach them where they're at. I, I feel like that's such a powerful thing. It was like that in youth ministry, understanding the youth culture, what's going on at that time, and doing those kinds of things. Uh, being in these different places is really understanding all that. But I like this portion of Scripture because uh, the Apostle Paul talks about this, but then he takes it into this, hey, I do this. I, I, I go to reach these people and I, I give a lot. I sacrifice a lot for it. But one thing I'm not going to do is I'm not going to sacrifice my own life for Christ. I'm not going to give up living it well and doing the right thing. And so I think it's a great, kind of a great opener to kind of talk about. Is to me, it's, it's been kind of a theme verse for my life in ministry and doing that. So I want to take a look at that with you together. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 19 through 23. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. And how appropriate is this section today for our marathon that we just had? Do you not know that in a race that all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way that you get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And so for me, it's always been a kind of a theme verse to think, okay, yeah, I'm in ministry. I got to do these things, but I got to make sure my life is in check. I got to make sure I'm living it well and that I'm following God as best as I can. Now, I've made mistakes. You know, I've gone down paths that I haven't wanted to. And uh, there's times that I've looked back in my life and said, how did I get there? Even during those high school years, you know, when I kind of went off in a a different direction, I I thought to myself, how did I get to this place? And I imagine for many of you in this room, too, sometimes you've looked back on things and you thought, how did we get there? How do we get to this place? How did I find myself in there? It reminded me as I was preparing this, for some reason, that one song from the Talking Heads came to mind. You You ever probably remember the song once in a lifetime it's like and they say and you may find yourself living in a shotgun shack and you may find yourself in another part of the world and you may ask yourself well how did I get here and it says you know who's this wife this is not my wife you know this is not my house how did I get to this place and I think sometimes that when we go through difficult circumstances or things that tempt us or places where we make mistakes in the end we wonder how we got there in the first place and we might even see it with our friendships and people that we're close to and we're like, how did that happen? How did that affair happen? How did they fall off on that part of the road? And we, we question it. And I think Psalm 1 answers that question for us. So as we take a look at it today, one of the things that interests me about the psalm is that it, really Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are almost, they're almost a completely different style than the rest of the book of Psalms. And, and I, th- I have a feeling that David probably wrote this. We, we believe David wrote this psalm, but he probably wrote this later on in life. Uh, we've talked about uh, King David a lot in the Psalm series here, and you know he was a man after God's own heart, but he made a lot of mistakes. 
And, uh, you know, he, he would go back to God each time, which is awesome. But I had a feeling that later on in his life, he probably sat there and thought, you know, what could I have done to prevent this? What could I have done different in my life to not go down those paths? And how could I recognize what those things are? And I think that's where he, his heart was when he wrote this psalm, to think about how could I have done my life differently and how could I have lived it well instead? So I want us to, to take a look at it. Um, you can, uh, it's written out here in your, in your handout. And I want to read it together with you. So if you would, open that up and we'll read uh, Psalm chapter 1 together. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, but not so the wicked. They are like the chaff that blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. What I like about this verse is that in the beginning of it, he kind of sets up some stanzas there and he talks about them. You know, for years I'd read through this and think, yeah, this is a great verse. He's kind of given some different examples of, of things to not fall into. But over time, I've really come to understand is it's really a progression. And really when we go in and make mistakes and we blow it, there's a progression to it. And there are steps that we are taking. Because oftentimes it's not, you know, when you fall into this thing or you, you, you make this mistakes, usually there's something that happened right in the beginning that got you there. And so I think that's what David is expressing to us here is, is kind of there's these steps. And so when he starts off, he talks about, okay, if you can avoid these things, blessed. So blessed basically means happy many times over or oh, the joy. So you are blessed if, you are a, 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 if it's all possible that you can avoid these kinds of things in your life. And that first stanza, I want to talk about each one differently. He first talks about walking. And he says, walk in the step of the wicked. And really, some translations use the word counsel instead of step, which I find really interesting. And so you get this visual of like, you know, you're walking along you're kind of listening. You're getting counsel from those around you. So maybe counsel from people who aren't giving you encouraging, godly kind of advice. And maybe this is things that we actually, you know, we allow this kind of counsel to come in through things we read or things we see on the internet or things we see on the TV or movies or listen to. And sometimes that counsel is entering our mind and entering our heart and it's entering a place. It may be even something that's tempting us to go, wow, you know, that's kind of cool. What about that? Let me entertain that thought for a little bit longer. And yet we know somewhere down deep inside that that path is maybe not the right way to take. The next stanza he talks about, he's, he says, taking a stand in the path of sinners. And so it's like you're, you're walking along and all of a sudden, instead of walking, you've decided to stop. You're now standing. You've taken a stand there. And you're listening even more. You're following deeper into this mistake or this thing that is not going to be great for your life, not living it well. And you decide, you make a decision at that point. Am I going to follow this further? Am I going to follow this temptation even further down the road? Am I going to allow it to invade my heart? Am I going to be there? And then he takes the next stanza and he says, you know, we go walk, we stand, and then finally we sit. So you sit in the seat of mockers. So it's almost like you're actually just taking your place. You're living among it now. You're right in the middle of it all, and you've decided to just live in it. And I like the phrase that he uses here is this mockers because it's really mocking is this idea of, of, of a person who is making fun and making light of a life that is well lived. And it is mocking God, so to speak. And so we really get this illustration of that it's a progression. 
And I think that's when we can look back in our lives and look back in other people's lives and go, wow, now, now I can see how that took place. It starts small. Things invade our lives. We start to compromise. And we start thinking about these ideas of what it would be like. And we think, well, if I do it this one time, nobody's going to see it. You know, Nobody's going to catch it. It's not going to hurt anybody else. And we start to rationalize our decisions in this area of our life. But I think David really gives us an answer. He says, blessed if we can stay out of that mess, if we can do that. And he gives us an example how, how we can stay out of it. For me, I know, you know, there's times that I've gone down situations like this, and you gotta, you know, gotta really see the warning signs as you as you go down and, and, and avoid it. But then, uh, what David does here is he talks about, okay, how do we how do we um, stop that from taking place? He goes into the next portion of the passage here, and he says, "But on the other hand, but whose delight you are blessed if, and whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on His law day and night." That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruits in season, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do, they prosper. And so I like it. He gives kind of an example. He goes, okay, blessed if you can not do this, but blessed if you do this. So the idea is, is if, blessed if you can spend some time meditating on God's word. And not only just meditating on his word, he says, uh, delight. So we get this idea that, you know, it is... It's such a pleasurable thing to sit and think about God's word. Now, back then, at this time, they only had the first five books of the Bible that they had studied that Moses had written. Uh, now we have the whole Bible that has lots of encouragement for us, lots of direction for us. Um, but you get this idea that if we spend time meditating on God's word, that it's going to strengthen us and make us like that tree that is by the streams of living water that we just heard. That when the river rises and when the storms come, that that tree is so well planted that it's not going to fall over, it's not going to be washed away, that it's going to be bearing fruit on a regular basis, and that the, wee, the leaves on it do not wither, and that it lasts a long, long time. And so I love that, that, uh, that picture that it gives us. It kind of makes us really think about being planted in what um, you know, God uh, you know, planted in such a way that we become so strong. Uh, Psalms 119 is a great passage that kind of really illustrates this point for me. And in the psalm it says, 119.9.11 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. And I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And so it's, it's like this idea that we are spending so much time in the word that it is written on our heart, that it's, it's there in that place. And so when we come to these circumstances, when we start walking down the path and we start hearing these things, is that it comes to mind because we've written it on our heart. We've taken it and applied it to what's going on. And we can think it and remember it when it comes up in those times. So when, when we're like that, when we've become that tree planted by the water, it, what it really results in is that, that we be, really become something. And it's not about doing something. It's that we become something. We become stronger in the Lord. We become rooted in Him. And it's not about a process of do's and don'ts but it's a process of who we are in the Lord. And we become that kind of person. So doing that, is, it's, it's really kind of a spiritual growth exercise. So it's really thinking about how do we grow on a daily basis of having a proper diet, so to speak, of God's word in our life and being in, in the right kind of surroundings for us. Spiritual growth, there's no real shortcut to it. It takes time. It takes concentrated effort for us to really think through how do we grow spiritually in our lives. So the question is, is you know, are we really happy that many times over? Are there some times that, you know, maybe we, we are thinking, you know, 
I'm not that happy. I, I've struggled through stuff. I've gone through situations, and you know, I, I can see how I could be blessed if I would avoid that. And I want to encourage you too that you know, each one of us, we've made mistakes. You know, God loves us. He sent His Son. He died on the cross for us. He forgives us. Those mistakes that you've made are in the past. And it's time for us to start living it well and look to the future and say, how can I do from this point forward? How can I live it well? How can I avoid these traps and getting into these things and doing that? So I want us to take a look a little bit opposite of this uh, psalm too. As I read through it a couple times, I thought, it's interesting to me that David, he starts off with saying blessed and then he kind of comes almost in the sense from the negative. So it's, it's giving you an example of how you don't fall into it. I want to take a look at it if, we, if, if I can literally uh, flip it over a little bit to think, Okay, what if you were to come for the positive aspect of it and look at it this direction? So if you were to say, you know, he's walking and we walk in the counsel, instead of walking in the counsel of the wicked, we walk in the counsel of the good. What would change in our life if we had that kind of relationship with people around us that we can start walking in the counsel of the good, that the advice that we're getting from others or the things that we're seeing, the input that's going into our life is a good thing that's encouraging us and moving us forward. And then maybe that, you know, from that point on, we take time and we stand in the path of the virtuous, of those people who are virtuous around us and who have been strong people in our lives of following God and, and been, have done things successful. We stand with them. And then maybe even come to a point that we're back and we're sitting, but this time we're sitting in the seat of defenders instead of mockers. It's literally the, the opposite thing, a defender of the faith, someone who believes in God and who defends him and who talks about him and who would be a person right next to us. We're sitting with those people who are building us up in Christ. Can you imagine the opposite? of that going on? Well, as we talk about living it well, there's three things I want you to walk away with today um, to really, that would really help you live it well in this life and apply these verses. So first of all, I think to live it well, we need to start recognizing the warning signs when we start going down the wrong paths is we gotta start seeing what's there, you know, questioning what it is that we're doing, questioning what it is we're listening to, what is it we're putting into our mind, what is it that we are, um, the people that are hanging out with, what kind of input they're in. Now, I want to caution you on this because sometimes I think we can take this and go, oh, I should separate, my, separate myself from all other people who are not followers of Christ. But that's not what it's saying. I think each one of us uh, needs to, no matter where we are in our walk, is always have a redemptive relationship. And what I mean by that is we're always connected to people who are not connected to God and that we have input in their lives and that we're encouraging them. But we have to be careful when we take advice or counsel from them that might lead us down the wrong direction. Does that make sense? So it's not an idea of separation, but it's really being aware of what's being put into our lives and making that clear, and so we don't go down that, down that road. So the questions that you, know, you can ask yourself, am I, am I allowing thoughts or treating, you know, allowing thoughts of thinking badly of people or doing things to them? Am I going down this trail that, that can be discouraging? Uh, I know for me an, an example of this is uh, there was a time where I worked uh, for another pastor and, and uh, I started working for him and I noticed that there was a little bit, um, it was odd to me, it was a little bit of a different relationship, but he had a little bit of a different spirit about him. And um, he, for some reason, liked to talk negatively of people and other churches and things. And I thought it was odd at first and it was very similar to this. I saw a warning sign, um, but I kept walking with him and I walk in in his council, and eventually I was, you know, I was standing, listening to it, and I was participating. And then I became sitting, and I started mocking other people. And, you know, it's a part of my life that I look back on, and I go, how did I ever get there? I made such a huge mistake 
Sure, it started smallly, you know, in small steps and going along that way. But I look back and I go, I could have stopped at these different points. And what that did to me in that time period is it, it affected my relationships. It affected my relationships with my family, my wife. It, it was damaging that was going on. And it was with other people. And not until I removed myself from that situation did I see, man, I blew it there. You know, I, I think it can creep in in many different areas of our life. Sometimes we just think it's those black and white things that are out there, but it could be something so simple as, as talking badly about others. And we have to be able to see those warning signs of not going down those paths. So the second thing is, I think that really helps us to, to avoid those kind of situations, those traps, is by taking time to meditate on God's word. And, you know, sometimes we're like, okay, well, what's, what's meditation? Um, you know, I like this uh, verse in Joshua. He says, it says, meditate on the word day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous, prosperous and successful. So you get this idea of, you know, if we, if we spend time meditating on God's word, that we are going to do a lot better. And uh, we're going to understand a lot better. It, now, this doesn't come quickly. It, it really takes some intentionality uh, to go about it. Found, I find it interesting that the word that we get for meditate uh, also is the same root word that we get the word worry from. Uh, now, if you can worry, you can meditate, right? Most all of us can worry in this room. Uh, I know from my experience, uh, I grew up in a house that was filled with worry, <laughs> and I didn't really understand it until later. My, my mom, she grew up in the Great Depression, uh, she grew up in New York City, she worried about a lot of things, and that transferred on to me. And then so in my marriage, my wife noticed, man, you worry about a lot of stuff. And you know, it's always good, your spouse is always usually able to see those things in you, aren't they? And point them out. And uh, what I found was actually the cure to worry was actually meditation, was really to take a look at verses and really meditate those things on me. And she would place, uh, one, one habit we have is we have verses in our house that we would switch around all the time. We have one board that we do as a monthly verse. And you walk by it and you read it and it's, it's something you think about in your mind and you kind of turn and you chew on it and you think about it. You know, one, you know the verses that she put out for me was the, the verse that Jesus says, do not worry, you know. The, the lilies of the field don't, you know, toil and the birds, God takes care of the birds of the air. And it's, to me, it was, it was a way to, to change my thinking in that area. Well, the same thing for us is we just spend some time meditating, which is really focused thinking, so is worry. If we worry and focus think, it really gets us nowhere, right? However, meditating has a huge benefit to it if we take time to meditate. So what does it mean? So taking some time to read God's Word, you can take it, and as you're reading it, really try to picture it. Try to visualize in your mind as you're reading it what it is that's going on. What's the scene? Uh, maybe take some time and, and going through that phrase of Scripture and, and pronouncing it differently, maybe highlighting different words that are in it and making it a little bit stronger to give you a little more meaning. Uh, another great thing to do is take time to paraphrase it, maybe to write it in your own words, in your own experience, uh, which reminds me kind of what we're doing on the Psalms wall. It's really to take our own experiences and kind of, and maybe some of the things that we've read and, and rephrase them and write them as a song to the Lord. And that's a great way for us to meditate on Scripture is to really rephrase things. Uh, maybe it's taking some time to personalize a, a piece of scripture. Um, you know, if you were to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, could you go through it and say, you know, change the word uh, from love, uh, you know, is Mark this way? Is Mark loving? Is Mark kind? Is he considerate? You know, it's changing the word and putting your word in it, your name in it instead, and, and really thinking about how, how can I do something different and how can this uh, be better for me? And taking time to pray about it and really turning that verse into a prayer and giving it back to God. As you're reading through Scripture and as you're doing those things, you're meditating, uh, you can ask questions like this. First of all, what does it say? 
What does it say to you? Uh, what are the facts that are going on? What did it mean to the original people that it was written to, the, to the hearers that were there? Another question you might ask is, what does it mean? And dig into it a little bit deeper. What do the facts mean? What are the timeless principles that are in this passage that I'm reading? I mean, the third question would be is, what does it mean to me to take it and apply it to my life? Where, uh, where and how could I make this a practice in my life? Uh, what are the implications of the facts for me today? Maybe write out a sentence of steps I'm going to take this week or today to move forward in this area of my life. So what does it take for us to be able to spend time meditating on God's word is, is really spending, is scheduling a time in your day and, and thinking about where can I place this and I can spend time meditating. And sometimes it helps that we can change our location, maybe finding a place that really brings uh, some meaning to you and God's nature. And, you know, maybe it's going to the park, it's going to the ocean, going to mere woods or, or whatever it is and seeing God's beauty and, and reading it and meditating. But really, it takes intentionality on our part to say, I'm going to schedule this out. I'm going to make this a part of my day. I'm going to go to this location that where I can connect to God and really move forward in my life. The third way I think that can really help us move uh, to be uh, better at living it well in our life is by being connected to other followers of Christ. I think uh, a great illustration of this, and you know, if, 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 if King David lived here in California at the time, um, I think you know, one of the illustrations he might have actually used is the sequoias or the redwood trees uh, instead of the tree planted by the water. And I'll tell you this, because the redwood trees, and many of you have probably experienced gone up in your woods or maybe over to Yosemite or Sequoia or up the coast and, and seen these trees. But one interesting, th- interesting thing about the trees is that they, they live for almost two to 3,000 years. They're some of the oldest creatures that are on this planet, living, living things. And they grow up to three, over 300 feet tall, which is taller than how long a football field is. Can you imagine? That's huge. And, and how do they live so long, and how do they stay there? How do they go through the times of wind and rain and fires and the things that go on? Well, if you'll, one thing you'll notice about redwood trees and sequoias is that they never grow by themselves. They always grow together in a grove. And what, what literally happens with them is that the roots are connected, like you see here in this illustration, is that their fingers or arms are almost interlocking with each other. And so when the rain comes, when the wind comes, they don't blow over easy because... They are holding on to each other. And I think it's a great illustration for us to take a look about what do we do in our lives to avoid some of these traps that we fall into. And I think it's being connected to other followers of Christ. Similarly, how we turned around on that verse in the beginning, uh, in chapter 1 there, how we said, let's look at this positively. Let's walk in the counsel of the godly, walk in the counsel of the good. We become people connected to one another um, when we allow those who are other Christ followers in our lives to be connected to us, it helps to keep us strong. It helps us to weather those times. And, and when we go start going down a path, if we're, if we're in relationships with others who are holding us up, they're going to stop us and say, hey, do you see what you're doing there? What, do you see what's going on? And they'll pray for us. We talk about it. These become people in your lives that you, know, you are such good friends with, and they help you out and you help them out, that if you had an emergency at 3 in the morning, that you would be able to call and say, hey, I need your help. For me, this has always been an important theme in my life, and I, and I can see the times in my life that I've struggled the most is when I was out of fellowship with other followers of Christ, when I isolated myself from them, when I've taken time to make sure that I'm in relationship and I've been in a small group, that I haven't been in, in the situations haven't been as difficult for me. 
back, even back in youth ministry, I believe, like I mentioned earlier, small groups are huge, important, I think, uh, for, for teenagers and, and for us as adults. I've you know, been participating, my wife and I have always hosted small groups in our home. I've done men's small groups, she's done women's small groups. And every time that we have been a part of one of those groups that have gone well, our lives have run better. <laughs> and I cannot tell you if, if you, if you have not been a part of that, I encourage you to seek out a small group of other followers of Christ that you can just spend time. It doesn't have to be just reading the Bible, but it's really spending time doing life together, really talking about what's going on and encouraging one another, holding each other accountable and growing together and doing that. And uh, if, if you're not a part of a small group here, we'd love to get you connected. Just connect with one of the staff and we will, we will help you do that. But we want to see everybody be like those sequoia grows and those redwood grows where our roots are growing together and that we are able to weather those those hard times that are there well today in our closing i just want to kind of wrap up to, to think about hey if we were living it well if we if we were really taking time to see the warning signs and avoid those things if we were taking time to meditate on god's word and being with other followers of christ what would our life look like you know, I can't imagine if each one of us really took this to heart and started doing it, that how our relationships with the people around us would change, with our kids, uh, with our spouse, if we're married, with our friends. Uh, what would happen in our lives if we were to really take this to heart and say, I'm going to live it well? What would happen in our church if every one of us was living it well? What a difference it would make in the lives of everybody in this room and everybody who comes here to Cornerstone. And what if our whole church and everybody who comes and participates, what if we're all living it well? I can't help to think that the rest of the community, the rest of the city would see, wow, what is going on there? Those people are, I want to be a part of that. And I think it really gives us an awesome opportunity to, to show who Christ is to other people's lives because they see the way that we are living it well and they want to be a part of it too. So I encourage you today, this week, think about how am I living it well? Am I, am I taking time to get in God's word? Am I getting in a group? Am I seeing the signs that are going on? I want to close in a prayer, and we're going to have an offering in just a moment, a time of offering and a closing song. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the example that you've given us here in Scripture from David about this idea of how we can be blessed. We can be happy many times over, God, if we avoid these pitfalls. God, if we really put your words in our hearts and we study them, we understand them, and we apply them to our lives, and we live it out. God, that we can live it well along with other followers of Christ that our life can make a huge difference in the lives of the people around us and the people in this world will see how much we love Jesus and what a difference that light has made in our life that they becomes so attractive that they want to be a part of that as well. So I pray, God, that you would strengthen each one of us as we walk out of here today to be thinking about how we can live it well. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>